You hear him every day, 6 to 10 a.m. here on ESPN 106.3, part of uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max here on ESPN 106.3. He's apparently a prop comic. He brought a whole broom to the studio on Friday after the Heat lost in uh, Game 1 of the NBA Finals, and then he promptly ate crow today on KJM here on ESPN 1063. Uh, spending a couple of minutes with us here, our friend Jay Will on Ken Levick Alive. Uh, can, I, can I just start this, Jay? Was that your broom? Did you find it in your home, or did you just steal one from, uh, from the ESPN offices? Uh, of course I stole one from the ESPN offices. Mickey Mouse would have no problem you know, <laughs> giving me a broom to use. And let's be honest, guys, if you stay around long enough, every hero becomes the villain. And that's apparently what's happening right here, right? That's apparently what's happening. Even though I gave you guys love last year, I say uh-huh. <laughs> one thing about I think the Denver Nuggets are going to be sweeped. And now I am the Joker. I, I, that just worked out that way. I uh-huh. didn't mean for it to come uh-huh. out that well way, done. but apparently I'm the Joker. You guys are Batman. Uh, that's what an established uh, broadcasting veteran like yourself does. You just fall into these really, really good word plays, and uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, so, so I I know I know how game one looked, okay, and I understand how game one looked, but. You, you played at the powerhouse of college basketball. You've been in tenuous moments and have found a way. You've watched this Heat team. You know Jay Will is a former NBA player. It's best of seven, not best of three, not best of one. You know it's best of seven. What in God's name possessed you to declare a sweep after one game of the NBA Finals? Because I watch you guys for every game during the regular season. That's I mean, your what problem. what do you want me to say? That's your problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Apparently, that is my, apparently my problem is I watch. <laughs> too much basketball, and I watch you guys not make threes at this clip, and I watch you guys have issues with your half-court offense, and now I'm seeing a completely different team. Sorry if I question <laughs> the legitimacy and the consistency of a team that hasn't been there for most of the year, but damn what you're doing is impressive. And also, you guys should be thanking me. This should be an appreciation phone call. Oh because every time I pick against you guys, you guys continue to win. So the last thing you want me to do is to jump on the bandwagon, uh-huh. and then I'll be blamed for the loss. The kiss of death. Jay Will himself with us here on Ken Levick Alive here on ESPN 106.3. <laughs> uh, we, we heard Spo last night. Uh, he, he made the, the biting comment uh, when, when Ramona Shelbourne dare dare uh, ask a question about the uh, turning Jokic into a scorer. I think she was onto something. It was a fair question. Maybe the wording wasn't quite there. But he said, hey, to the untrained eye, yeah, maybe you can do that with Nikola Jokic. But he's so advanced as a player, you can't just turn him into a scorer. He's going to make offense. We've been trying to explain the heat right now to the untrained eye. I say that they they run their plan better than anybody in the NBA in this postseason. Theo Dorsey to my left saying, hey, they're just unfazed. They're plus 90 in the fourth quarter, Jay, in this postseason. It's incredible. How would you, you're watching this entire postseason, how would you explain the heat to the untrained eye? They're the most physical and the most mentally tough team that there is in basketball. And and those things typically, uh, the ability to execute with those things is what makes them so difficult. Right, is that they, people always say, well, they never go away. And I always say, well, they're always there. Like, what do you mean, go away? They're always there. Like, mentally, they're always in the game. And we've seen so many teams in the history of all sports have lapses. And so for me, when I see a game plan, and I, I hear Eastbrook, because knowing him and spending time around him, I could tell that, that you know, question would chap anybody's mm-hmm. asked the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But it's like, 
oh, I'm sorry, we're, we're just playing him in single coverage, and we're not doubling down on Nikola Jokic. We're stunting at him. We're giving him a, a variety of different looks. That's not letting him score. We're actually making it difficult for yep. him to score, yep. and in the process, guys, we're exhausting him. We're making him tired because he's exerting a lot of energy to do so. And when you do that, guys, when guys like KCP or Michael Porter Jr. only get seven shots or three shots, when they have to take shots down the stretch, guess what? There's no rhythm. They don't feel comfortable because he hasn't been able to make everybody else around him better. And that's how you put yourself in a position to win. Jay, I got to ask you about this zone that the Heat keep putting out, not just one variation of it, but obviously as many as they've done throughout this postseason and including the one that happened and worked last night. Is there any, like, how, like, should we be concerned that there's going to, the magic of this zone is going to run out and the Nuggets figure it out because the Celtics never did? The Knicks never really did either, but the Nuggets feel like an offensively smart team with the perfect guy to break the zone. Well, here's the problem with it. Uh, if Because we were having conversations last night watching the game. I'm like, you know, Jokic is such an elite passer, but it's an amoeba zone that kind of transforms in between a, a multitude of different things. So, number one, you, you're putting your point guard, essentially, well, I'm calling Jokic the point guard, right, in the middle of the zone to turn face and make plays. But when you're an amoeba defense, it gives a variety of different looks that it's hard to read those each and every time down the court. So, you know, do you want to put Jokic on the perimeter? and then? But who are you going to put from that dunker spot? Are you going to put Aaron Gordon? There, he's not a reliable playmaker. So almost in a way, you feel like with zone, you have to go more man-to-man principles. You still should run your man-to-man sets. And it feels like Denver just goes away from that, and it becomes all eyes on Jokic to make every single play. And Look, man, in, in, in a game of – I'll take that all day long. Like, Jokic, okay, make every play then, Jokic. Like, you're great. You're incredible. Make every single play. Yeah. That's exhausting and taxing for a guy like Jokic, for anybody. Jay Will with us here. Ken Levick alive on ESPN 106.3. We've been talking about the, the mental aspect, and I, I – I hate going that route because it sounds so like sports talk, radio, hokey. They're just mentally tougher. Like, I hate going that route. But you mentioned the mental fortitude of this Heat team. And I think that there's a tangible number, the plus 90 in the fourth quarter. There were plus 94 in the fourth quarter, 2020 in the bubble when they went to the finals. Um, the, the, the execution, we saw the Nuggets get frustrated in the fourth quarter. And Nikola Jokic is doing that thing where he starts flailing and uh, stupid fouls and getting frustrated. And then Michael Malone after the game is talking about how he couldn't believe he had to talk about effort in the NBA Finals with his guys because uh, in, in particular, Porter, KCP, they didn't hit their shots and they were disengaged. How do you... I got, the, the mental aspect of it, how do you, you, you tell people about it and how much it matters uh, to a team like the Heat? And in these situations, without coming off, is just you're making up a storyline. So I heard this thing from Pat Riley. This is probably going on 15, 16 years ago during a speech that I used to always go down and do D. Wayne's fantasy camp and, and stuff like that. And he was talking about what do you think about when you're tired? What do you think about when you think about being tired? And a lot of people go into, like, well, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. And that's a sense of being selfish, right? One of the hardest things to do in sports is if you're going out, if you're running a marathon, is when you get to mile 18, mile 19, to kick it into a different gear when you're tired, right? And to stay with the game plan. Not to say, oh, now I need to adjust the game plan. Um, And I think that's that's the mental fortitude that we're talking about. You talk about, you know, that number in the fourth quarter, it's the ability to execute when you in when you are tired late in the game. And then secondly, I, I gotta tell you, like the 
two pivotal points of the game for me. Number one was Max Struess getting off in the first opening minutes of yeah. the game. Right? It's the, the lack of discipline on the opposite end from the coverage, the miscommunication, the miscues by Denver, which typically this team, they influx, right? They, they go through these series like that. So that was one, having them set the tone, starting Kevin Love on Aaron Gordon, allowing Jimmy Butler to guard the likes of Jamal Murray. And then I, I got to give him a lot of credit, and you guys see it firsthand down there. I can't imagine what it's like to sign a five-year, $90 million deal, and all of a sudden to be told that you're, you're not really a starter anymore, right? And to all of a sudden to go for 10 points, but like little things like he gave Jamal Murray a head fake. He flew by him, step in three. Mm. I ripped through baseline, and one. Missed the free throw rhythm. Like Duncan Robinson's 10-point swing that they had there was one of the most critical pieces of that game that nobody's really going to talk about today because we'll talk about Jimmy making shots on the stretch or the job that Bam did or Gabe Vincent. But, like, Duncan Robinson was a critical turning point of that game in the fourth quarter. It was beyond impressive, man. Jay, we've been talking about on this show for weeks how Jimmy Butler, in regards to the ankle, just hasn't looked the same after, I think, game three of the next yeah. series. Like it's getting to the point that I don't, I don't overly trust him with the ball right now because he can't move. Yeah, and these role players have had to step up now, and you know the list of the guys, but it's Duncan Robinson, it's, it's Caleb Martin, it's Gabe Vincent, it's Max Strews. Who has surprised you the most out of those guys? I mean, it's probably it's his consistency in which Gabe Benson has played at. He, it's going to be interesting, him being a free agent. I mean, you're going to talk about him making $9, 10 $11 million a year. I mean, even the little wink that he gave, I, I don't know if it was to Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray, he's just playing with superior confidence. And I also got to tell you guys, I mean, I was there like <laughs> – I, I love Kyle Lowry so much. First off, he's one of the best actors in the game of basketball, <laughs> but he's also he's – a, he's a pit bull, right? Like, he just makes – Tough plays and, and little things that, like, how I would play at the park against, you know, 15-year-old kids are things that I see him doing. Like, just even having, I think it was Jamal's, Jamal or KCP's hand was just, like, slightly on his hip. And just to act in that moment mm-hmm. after they've been the aggressor for most of the game, that could see you the free throw line for three points, guys. Like, it's little things like that. You could tell one team is seasoned, experienced, and the other team is young, trying to trying to earn the right to say that we belong here, right? One team feels like they belong, and they're a team of seven undrafted players and four players that people didn't know their names as much. They feel like they belong as another team that's been the best team in basketball for most of the year that is trying to prove that they belong here. That's uh, the difference. Just just a couple more here for Jay Will, and we appreciate him taking the time, and he knows that we, uh, we rib him on a regular basis, and he, uh, I love it. he, he eats it, and it. we appreciate it. Uh, but... Jimmy Butler's sort of just YMCA in it right now. Uh, this is this is YMCA ball. He is just laboring and he's trying to do what he can. He doesn't look overly inspiring. Certainly doesn't look like the definition of playoff Jimmy. That Josh Hart uh, slide tackle on him completely changed the all and altered the way he's playing in this postseason. But in the finals, when when Jimmy Butler is on the floor. The Heat are at 128.6 offensive rating. Defensive rating, 75.9. Plus 52. How is he still finding a way to get things done? What does he do, the small things that you see, that allows that sort of of, uh, ability to compete and to succeed? Well, look, it's um, there is a game within the game of basketball that only a certain few are great at executing. And the one thing I, I got to tell you that I absolutely adore Jimmy Butler on is that, you know, it's like um, 
it's like a phone booth fight in boxing. It's like, all right, there, there are no headshots, they're only body blows, right? And, and who can maneuver themselves to get as many body blows in as possible? And the one thing that Jimmy's really good at, not only is he chasing around Jamal Murray all over the floor like he did last game on a hurt ankle, but it, it's like just getting him there, like all you have to – you guys cannot tell me that there's a sense that if Miami is there at the end of the game, like what is the expecta- expectation percentage that you guys feel they're going to win? Answer that question for me real quick. I, I mean, it's probably right around 98 99% <laughs> the way this postseason has played out. That's exactly my point. It's like, you know, Jimmy did what he had to do earlier in the earlier stages. He carried the load. Now you're seeing – is it like the actual team carried the load and they're getting Jimmy to the finish line and Jimmy's like, I can take care of it from here on out. I can put us in situations to get us over the hump. And look, man, like this is a war of attrition. And at the end of the day, like, you know, the team that has the will, I know that sounds corny, but I've seen teams snatch the will away from other people. It happens in this game where you start questioning your mental toughness. You start questioning. Look, you don't think Michael Porter Jr. right now is questioning whether he can mm-hmm. play at this level? Like he's questioning himself. Yeah. Like that—that's a just that have just that question alone for a guy of his caliber lets you know that you, like you are seeping towards victory if you're the Miami Heat team. Jay, well, we appreciate it. We'll be listening tomorrow, six to ten a.m. here on ESPN one hundred six three. Uh, the I, I'm glad I'm glad you didn't put enough thought into the broom to bring it from home. That this was something that came to you in the office. It makes me feel better about that entire thing. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you later on in this series and uh, and after the series. Okay. Guys, when you guys fall short, I'll be the first person to call in, okay? <laughs> hey, you're right oh, yes, I am. I'm not going no, anywhere. you're not. This yes, guy. I am. No, <laughs> you're not. Unbelievable. Uh, Jay, we'll appreciate All right, you, buddy. Boy. All right, have a good one. All yeah. right, that is Jay Will here with us on ESPN 106.3.